0: Different faiths, different religions. If you travel over to Nepal, you'll probably see what they call uh, prayer wheels. Uh, I've got a video here, I'll show you briefly what that looks like. You can see prayers inside, and it's believed with every rotation that a prayer is sent up, sent up to heaven. And so you can spend as long as you want, oh thanks, as long as you want spinning that thing around and this is an act of prayer. If you go to a temple there, there may be some very large ones that the priests or the monks will have rotating continuously. In fact, back when hard drives used to spin, now they're all solid state. Uh, there would be some more tech-savvy Buddhists who would download prayers onto their hard disk. And the hard disk spins about 5,400 times per minute. And so they were sending up over 5,000 prayers every minute. (laughs) Talk about uh, taking advantage of an opportunity to pray, right? Right? or you can travel to Japan and it, you can go to a shinto, sh- shinto shrine shinto shrine and you can the see sound of the drum is an offering the, to the, Buddha. the drums being the played The priest beats the taiko drum at the temple during chanting and the priest is beating the drum because it's thought that this will get the attention of the gods The drum is is played and the prayer is said to get the attention of the gods. Here's a really interesting one in Japan. I'll explain it in just a moment. Those stacks are stacks of what they call ghost money. These are printed pieces of paper that have a special currency to send to the dead by burning it. It's sent to the dead either to keep the bad ghosts away from you or to uh, send your relatives some cash, because they might be a little hard up in the afterlife. Uh, So you can go and you buy it at the temple. Uh, and, And these people are sending like big stacks of ghost money Uh, in their belief to the afterlife, uh, which is a type of an act of worship, an act of prayer. Uh, Or other times people drive along and they throw ghost money out the windows so that the ghosts don't give them uh, a wreck while they're driving. So it's very interesting to study, and we could go on and on and on throughout the different world religions. There are many different ways to pray, And while these ones seem odd and, in our estimation, probably foolish, I wonder if we sometimes do the same thing in our own prayer life. We treat prayer like we're going to grab a prayer wheel and just spin it around. Okay, I'm here. I'm checking in. Okay, I'm going to do this for a while. Okay, sending up some prayers. Okay, I'm tired. I'm done. And I've sent up my prayers for the day. I've done what I needed to do. Because I know the prayer is important, so let me do this for a little bit. Spin up some prayers to God. Or sometimes we don't pray or, or we're hesitant to pray because we don't think anybody's listening. Or we don't bang on a drum, but it's, we feel like, God, you're not watching my life. Are you listening to my prayers? What's going on? How can I get your attention, God, so that you'll listen to me? Or perhaps we feel like prayer is this transactional uh, experience. I'm going to clock in, spend some time in prayer so that God will give me what I want. A this for that kind of exchange. Uh, There's a a Latin phrase we've been using in the news these days, but I won't (laughs) mention that phrase. But God, here I am, I'm praying. Now what are you going to do for me? God, why did this happen to me? I've been going to church, I've been paying my tithe, I've been praying. And prayer is this transactional experience, but there's no relationship there. I don't know if you can relate to any of these things, or perhaps uh, many of the other things that we could have mentioned, but... I don't know about you, but I know that in my own life, I could use a makeover in my prayer experience. An extreme home makeover to revitalize and re-energize my prayer. Can you relate to that? Anyone else need that? So we're starting a new sermon series today called People of Prayer. We're gonna be looking at various characters in the Bible People who, who prayed big prayers or short prayers. People whose lives uh, were oriented around prayer. And we're going to see what we can learn and apply in our lives to make our prayer life more meaningful, more relational, more impactful. So I want you to think for a minute, who are some people in the Bible that had some pretty cool prayers? Just shout it out when you hear it. Or when you think of it. Daniel! Big prayers, yeah, what else? David, yeah, and we can read the Psalms, many of which are just David's prayer journal to God. Who else? Peter, Solomon, Jehoshaphat, yeah, I love that prayer. Second Chronicles 20. Hannah, yeah, really good prayer. The Father That Wanted His Son Healed. Powerful prayer. I heard another one over here. Number 6, 24 to 27. Mmm, yeah. The Lord our God is, yeah, is one. He's one God. Derek. All of Jesus' prayers. Yeah, go ahead. Moses. Powerful prayers. Yeah. The Prayer of Jabez. That's right. Have any of you read the, any of those books that were really popular a decade or so ago? Really good prayer. Elijah, yeah. <laughs> Abraham. So you can just you can just see uh, we could have a really really long sermon series if we want. It's not going to be overly long, but we are going to look at some powerful people of prayer. And today's person of prayer, if you read the bulletin, is who? Elijah. Elijah. He's first mentioned in 1 Kings chapter seventeen verse one, and that's where we're going to open up in our Bibles today. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Unfortunately we don't know a lot of the backstory of Elijah. Don't know a lot about him. He's called a Tishbite, which means that he was from the Tishbe region, but we're not exactly sure where that's at. But something that's very interesting that we do know about Elijah is what his name means. Elijah means, my God is Yahweh. My God is the Lord. And and this really sums up his life and his life work. As you're well familiar with, the people were worshiping Baal. Baal in Hebrew means master, husband, or Lord. And we say it with a, a lowercase l. So the people are all worshiping, for the most part, this false lord, and here a guy is raised up by God whose name literally means, my God is Yahweh, which anytime uh, you read in scriptures, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is a substitute for the personal name of God, Yahweh, or some say Jehovah. Uh, It was too personal, it was too uh, holy to be spoken uh, and even the translators followed that tradition. It was too holy to be written. And so many times, many translations just put capital Lord in place. So Elijah jumps on the scene. 1 Kings 17, verse 1, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, now that name sounds familiar, right? Who's Ahab. He's a bad dude. He's a king. We didn't cover his life. Hopefully, we'll come back to him another time. I told you I liked Ahab, but not because of what he did, just because there's a lot of detail about him, and it's funny how selfish uh, and bad he is. Uh, Funny in an ironic sense, not taking pleasure in, in his wickedness, obviously. So he lived during the time of Ahab. God raised him up, and he had a message for the king. Bad Dude Ahab, it says, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew or rain these years except at my word. Can you imagine a a more bold thing to say to the leader of a nation? (laughs) Imagine you could get into the Oval Office and walk in and greet our president and say, hey, Unless some reforms are made, it's not going to rain in America, right? That's bold. That is incredibly bold. And the Bible tells us that he actually prayed that there would be no dew or rain. It's a very bold prayer. I have never been impressed to pray that there would be no rain, So, if there's drought in California at various times, it's not because of me, all right? Not because of me. But you know, I believe that Elijah was impressed to pray this prayer. I believe that God moved upon his spirit to do this very thing. Have you ever been impressed to pray a certain prayer before? Yeah. I've mentioned this before, but I was in Keystone, Colorado, riding up a chairlift going skiing with my dad, just the two of us on the four-seater lift. And I felt impressed suddenly to pray for a family back at home, some of our neighbors. If God impresses you to pray for somebody, it's probably not the devil. Or if you feel impressed to pray, probably not the devil impressing you. So we prayed. I said, hey, can we pray for this family? And we did. Little did I know, God was working through the Holy Spirit to prompt somebody to call that family, got them involved in some meetings that were happening at the church, and in the end, this lady was baptized. And and that was none of my doing. I just got this thought in my head, and I said, okay, I'll say a simple prayer. We said a simple prayer. God impresses us sometimes to ask for things, even if it doesn't make sense. So God impresses Elijah to pray this prayer and then to follow through And to deliver this speech. And then verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. No sooner had the, the words escaped Elijah's mouth. That Ahab is so stunned. Who is this nut that's in here? And then all of a sudden he looks and Elijah's gone. Before he even had a chance to tell his guards to arrest this man. Elijah's gone, and he's hiding at the brook Cherith, which is some distance away, closer to the Jordan River. He's there at the brook Cherith, and God starts to miraculously take care of Elijah, even as it begins this period of drought where there was no rain. Uh, He drank from the brook, and then he got some food. And where did he get his food from? Ravens. Ravens. Have you ever been around ravens before? or seagulls, or those types of birds? When there is food and you're trying to have a picnic and you know, you've got your sandwiches and, and whatever you've got for your picnic, are the birds there just to make your day and to watch you peacefully? Or do they have some selfish purposes in their heart? <laughs> they're hungry. And, and when you're distracted, they're going to try and eat your food and fly off with it. It happens, it it happens. You've had it happen to you before. So this is a double miracle, because God takes these birds that naturally are just out for a cheap meal and he uses them to get the food. In fact, he brings it twice a day. Verse six, the ravens brought him bread and tofu in the morning, and bread and tofu beyond burger in the evening. Brought him clean meat, <laughs> clean meat, in the evening. Now, some have, some have wondered, well, where did these ravens get the food from? And, and there's no way to know, but some have suggested it's even possible that the ravens could have gotten them from Ahab's own storehouse's provision area. Uh, now, having meat twice a day was something that was unusual. Usually, if you were rich, you maybe would have it once a day, but he's getting it twice a day. Uh, He's getting bread twice a day. I don't know what kind of diet this is, but if God starts bringing you bread and meat from ravens miraculously, then, then go on that diet as long as he has you on it. So he was there. God totally provided for his needs. God will lead us and provide for us, but then sometimes his... Uh, provision doesn't seem as abundant. Because what happened ultimately to the brook, to the water flowing? It naturally dried up. And so God, continuing on in the story, verse 8 and onward, God sends Elijah to a widow. She's a single mom raising her son. In fact, they're about to have their last meal. They have a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. They're going to make some Uh, simple bread, they're going to eat it, and then in the widow's own words, she's going to die. She and her son will die of starvation. So Elijah walks onto the scene, and I I love what he asks of her because it's just the, the most audacious request. He says, hey, can you feed me? And she says, we're about to have our last meal and then die. But nevertheless, I'll do it. Elijah, he was just a simple guy, but he was willing to follow what God wanted him to do. Even if it seemed, like I, I would just, I don't like to impose upon people. I never want to people, people to say about me, oh, he's a mooch, right? <laughs> this is total mooch status, moving in and asking for their last bit of food But God was going to work through that. And of course, as you know in the story, and as you read in the verses, verse 14, For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. The prophet promised, you're going to be okay. Just trust in the Lord. She did as he said, and God did as he said. And things are going good, uh, but then they start going bad, as things often do in life. Periods of good, and then periods of bad. Look at verse 17 of chapter 17. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what do I have to do with you, O man of God? Have you come here to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? So the son died. His breath went out of him. He was totally dead. And what does Elijah do? Verse 19, he says, Give me your son. So she took him out of her arms and he carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. And then he cried out to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? Here's something we can see from Elijah and his prayer life. He wasn't afraid to be honest with God with how he was feeling. He expressed exactly what was in his heart to God. Sometimes we try and hide our feelings to God, from God. But God already knows what we're feeling. There's a blessing in expressing what's in our heart to God. And you see this in the Psalms time and time again. David is very open with how he's feeling If you're feeling betrayed by God, let God know that. If you're feeling disappointed by God, let God know that. If you have questions and you're doubting God, let God know that. It does something special in your own heart when you're honest with God. And Elijah is honest with God. And then he stretches himself out on the child three times and he says, oh Lord my God, I pray let this child's soul the word nephesh, life. Let his life come back to him. How many times did he do this? Three times. We'll see this more later. Elisha's prayers not only were honest, but they were persistent. He was persistent in his prayers, in doing what he felt God was leading him to do. And God heard the voice of Elijah, and the boy was brought back to life. The very first resurrection we read about in the scriptures up till this point. Big prayer, huh? I've never been at a funeral and thought, you know, maybe I should go up front and, and try something and, and see. But again, God impressed Elijah and so he followed, he obeyed. He prayed a a simple prayer, not a lot of words there recorded. He prayed an honest prayer, a persistent prayer, and God answered his prayer. So eventually the time comes, at the end of the three and a half years, for there to be this showdown on Mount Carmel. So Elijah goes back, well, a message uh, eventually gets to the king. Uh, Ahab has been looking for Elijah for a long time, uh, and Obadiah runs into Elisha, Elijah, excuse me. and uh, along the way, Elijah learns that there are actually 7,000 people who hadn't uh, bowed their knee to Baal. But he sends a message to the king saying, meet me on top of Mount Carmel, you and all your prophets, and we're going to finally... Decide this. Who is going to be the Lord? So look at verse 20 of chapter 18. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. We talked earlier about Baal. It's interesting that there was no rain for those three and a half years. This is an a image of Baal. He probably would have originally been holding like a thunderbolt. He was the god of fertility, but he was also god of the storms and the rain. And there was this belief that he would die, and then every, once a year he would be resurrected and he would bring the rains. So through the dry portion of the year, and then, oh, Baal's back alive again, he's bringing the rains. This, this little dude caused all these problems. You know, that's if you're going to uh, worship something bigger, Sarah and I saw, it's only about this tall, uh, just a few inches tall, the figurines that we saw. But, but this was Baal. So it's ironic and powerful that the god of the rain couldn't bring rain for three and a half years. So now we've got this showdown. There's the priests of Baal, the prophets of Baal, And Elijah says, how long are you going to ride the fence, people? If God is God, serve him. And if Baal is God, then serve him. But you can't do both. You can't do both. There was a test suggested. And what was the test, basically? Exactly. 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 Two altars, two sacrifices. Whichever altar was lit by, on fire, fire from heaven by their God, that's the true God. And so Elijah gives the prophets of Baal the first crack at it. Uh, verse 26, it says So they took the bowl which was given to them and they prepared it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. So it was noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. He is either meditating, other translations say relieving himself. He's in the bathroom. Elijah was one of the earliest trolls, right? You know what trolling is? Online people make fun, and they. Mo- Elijah, but he was doing it for a purpose to show the people that their belief in these gods was utterly foolishness and to get them back to the true God. He's either meditating, he's relieving himself, or perhaps he's busy, he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. Come on, what's the matter with your God? He's the storm God, the rain God. What's the problem here? Is he on a vacation? You can imagine the prophets of Baal did not like that. Verse 28, they cried aloud and they cut themselves as it was their custom with knives and lances until blood gushed out of them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice and no one paid attention. So they're there on top of Mount Carmel. This is a picture of Mount Carmel. We don't know the exact spot because it's a long um, ridge, a long mountain range. Near the sea. But they're up there in this inspiring spot, dancing around, crying out to the God of rain, and nothing happens. Verse 30, and Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down, took 12 stones, made it according to God's instructions. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the, at the time of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done these things, all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. He didn't pray for three hours, although praying for for long periods of time is important, and we'll see other people who did that. But his prayer was simple, and his focus primarily is on God getting the glory. God, here's a choice. The people have a choice, and you're going to look bad if you don't step in. We want you to look good, Lord. Do something. Now, Elijah, if he doesn't see God answer, certainly he's going to die. His life is on the line here, but he never says, God, please spare my life and do this. He said, God, I'm most concerned about the people and about you looking good and people turning back to you. And fire from the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord he is God. A simple prayer, but a powerful prayer. But then there was one more part to this. The three and a half years were over. The people saw that the God was the Lord. The prophets of Baal and Asher were slain. But then it's time for the drought to end. And you see in verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. There was no, no thunderstorms in the distance yet, but Elijah by faith said, it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. I heard the abundance of rain in the church this week, except it was coming down through the speaker onto the carpet. But we got some shingles put up there, and it shouldn't happen in that spot again. But Elijah by faith, Elijah by faith, he, he knew God was about to do something powerful. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed down to the, to the ground and he put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he's in a very interesting prayer position. He's crouching down and he puts his knee, his, his head between his knees. And there are some people um, who believe that this was an ancient birthing position. Uh, they certainly did the crouched position. They, you know, they didn't have the nice hospital beds and everything that we have these days. Uh, there were various ways that that um, birth happened in the ancient world. But commentators, some of them say Elijah is in this birthing position. He is praying earnestly, and he is pushing. Now, not to give birth. He is praying until something happens. Push. Pray until something happens. Because the first time he prays, earnestly, fervently, his servant goes and looks, and there's nothing. So he goes back to his earnest prayer position, which can be any position. It doesn't have to be one particular he goes back and he prays again and he says to his servant, go look again and what happens? Nothing. How many times does this happen? It happens seven times. So Elisha was a person who prayed honestly. And he was a person who prayed persistently. If it didn't happen the first time, he went back and he prayed again. He prayed until something happened happens. And I've been in churches where people say, Pastor, you got to hear what happened. I've been praying for 41 years for my relative to come back to the Lord, and they finally did. Just because the answer has been delayed does not mean it has been denied. Pray until something happens. And eventually, There's a little cloud. What size is it? Size of a man's hand. And Elijah says, that's it. That's enough. We we got it. And he escorts the king down the mountain as the rain starts to fall and pour down. I'd like to end the story right there, but you remember that Elijah, after his great victory, he fled when he could have had another victory with, with Queen Jezebel, God took him to one more place of prayer, one final scene in, in this great prayer person's life. He took him all the way, 200 plus miles, down to Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, a place where the law, the 10 commandments were given. And he's there and God said, I wanna to speak to you. He's there in a cave. There are some pictures online you can see of various caves. We don't know which cave it was, but there are some pictures. And he's in the cave. God says, I'm going to speak to you. And then different things happened. Do you remember what the the different things happened, what they were? There was a mighty, like, rushing wind that tore the mountain apart. But God's voice was not in the wind. What else was there? There was a fire, powerful fire. Surely God's going to speak to me through this powerful fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And there was also an earthquake. But God wasn't in any of these dramatic displays. And finally the Bible says in 1 Kings 19, a still, small voice, a gentle whisper. Sometimes we're expecting God, we pray, we're fervently, earnestly praying, and we are hoping and expecting for God to just reveal himself in a blaze of light but we don't hear God that way. Most of the time, it's God speaking to our hearts in a gentle whisper. Because prayer is not just something, a, a, a monologue where we express to God. Prayer is a dialogue, and if we're listening and our hearts are stilled and we're in the word, God can speak to us through a still, small voice to our heart. Elijah was a man who believed in prayer. He knew persistent prayer was important. Notice this from the book Amazing Grace. God doesn't always answer our prayers the first time we call upon him. Why? For should he do this, we might take it for granted that we had a right to all the blessings and favors he had bestowed upon us. Okay, God, I need this. You got it. Give me that. You got it. It wouldn't be good for us if that's what happened all the time. Instead of searching our hearts to see if any evil was entertained by us, any sin indulged, we should become careless and fail to recognize our dependence upon him and our need of his help. So God allows us to persist in prayer for our own benefit, not because he's delaying for any other reason. But I want to look at one last verse. Go to the book of James. James chapter 5, we've seen just how powerful the prayers of Elijah are. He stopped rain for three and a half years on his country. He raised a child back to life. He heard the gentle, still, small voice of God. James chapter 5, it's easy when reading stories like this to say, okay, well... He was just a super saint with superpowers. What can I do? My prayers can never accomplish big things. James chapter 5 verse 17. Let's start in verse 16. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And again he prayed and the earth gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. It says Elijah was a guy like us. In fact, the the Greek word there for... uh, had a nature like us is used only one other time in Acts chapter 14, verse 15. And it's when uh, Paul and Barnabas are there and the people, the pagans, think that they're gods. (laughs) They're trying to worship them. Oh, this is Zeus and this is Hermes and, and let's bow down to them. And Paul says, no, 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 guys, we are humans, men, just like you are with a nature just like yours. And sometimes we look at people who are real prayer people, prayer warriors, and we think, wow, they have a special blessing of faith that I don't have. If I had what they had, then I could pray like they did. Oh, if I was was called like Elijah and was a special person like Elijah, then I could pray and God would hear my prayers. But James says Elijah was just an ordinary person like us. But he earnestly, fervently prayed. Now, no doubt, he was called to a specific prophetic office. But he wasn't a super saint. He was just an ordinary person who was willing to be used by God. We've learned today and seen powerful prayer are prayers that are honest, prayers that are persistent. Persistent. And the good news from today is that any of us can pray powerful prayers. We can be our own Elijahs in our own spheres of influence. And we can help people through God's Holy Spirit to come back to the one true God. We can be that people. I want to read one last uh, quotation here. It says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. Yet the Lord heard in a most striking manner and answered his his petitions. The only reason for our lack of power with God is to be found where? Right here. It's not a lack of God's power. It's a lack in our own part. A hurried prayer is offered now and then, but there's no real communion with God. I want to take more time this week with God than I did this last week. My prayers may not always belong, but I want to be more with God than I was last week. Pray earnestly, persistently, honestly, and see what God will do. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help make us into more people of prayer. Uh, Increase our desire to pray And Lord, remind us that you're always there. And may we desire to connect with you. Not just to to share a grocery list of requests, but really through prayer, uh, become aware that your presence is there. And remember that through our days. Use us, Lord, to make you look good this week so that people will turn from the bale of this world And we'll turn to you, the one true Lord. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let all God's people say, amen. Amen. Amen.